playoff fans, welcome back to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast. We are back, Marshall and I, talking some hoops. Of course, if you stayed with us since late August, the college ball show, college football, then the college basketball. Life got in the way a little bit last week, but hey, we're only one game into all the series. There's no series ahead. So it kind of works out real nicely here to start talking some NBA playoffs hoops. We already have, like I said, game one in the bag. Um, some interesting games. Obviously, the, 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 the closest, tightest game with the buzzer beater was Boston and Brooklyn. We were actually talking about that. That's probably the first one that we'll, uh, we'll lead with. Um, there's a couple other interesting series, though. Um, on paper, obviously, my Minnesota Timberwolves uh, got off to a great start in Memphis. We'll see how the Grizzlies respond, uh, you know, in game two. Luca, I just double-checked to make sure before we started recording, he is out for game two. Um, so maybe that, you know, that play in the first half by Utah was just trying to figure out what they're doing without Luca. but I would assume that they'll win handily in game two. If not, it's going to be a little strange. But that's got to suck for Dallas, you know, to grind out the whole year, get the fourth seed that definitely wasn't given to them. And uh, and then their, their, their main guy, one of the better players, one of the best players, I should say, in the whole entire league with Luca being out. So there's a variety of stuff that we'll jump into uh, while we break this down. By the way, we take this thing all the way through June, all the way to the NBA Finals. And after that, we do uh, usually do a free agency podcast or two. It kind of matters how wild it is in July. I don't know if we'll do a draft one. We'll kind of see how draft night goes. But anyway, if this is your first time listening to the NBA Playoff Banter Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser. You can find this here NBA Playoff Podcast under the Rope-A-Dope on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. We're also part of the GrillingTruth.com Sports Podcast Network. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgraded the choice for ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to what's included. You get to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee. And if you go to the premier package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime already included. That's direct TV stream. Okay. So we took a little mini break there last week. Life got in the way. We are back refreshed and ready to go. First of all, I'll go ahead and bring in my co-host, Marshall, and seeing how he's doing. Marshall, what's going on, man? How how goes it? I'm doing good, and I will have a, a shorter reply. I was talking to my coach, and she's like, Rorta, listen to your podcast. But uh, it was when you broke down the Tar Heels Final Four, and 
you broke down the whole thing. Your co-host is like, well, I got nothing to talk about anymore. So I'm like, <laughs> we're, I'm like, ah, yeah, I kind of got carried away. She's like, I know how he feels. I'm like, shut up, coach. <laughs> so I, I'm going to make just one point for my opening situation. I'll throw it back to you and keep it short. But Well, we'll just kind of give you the Golden State series to, uh, to you know, let your stuff to get out, okay? Oh, no, th- this is this is more of just an overall perception. And, and it, it hit me. Because, as you mentioned, our intro to the show, you talked about how we kind of do some off-season basketball. And the, what hit me was, and I heard, I forget who, who talked about this. I don't know if it's ESPN or, like, Vegas podcast or whatever. But a couple of years ago, Chris, we did a off-season show, and the whole theme of basketball was who can form the best big three. And there was so many different situations. People talking about, you know, salary cap restrictions and how do you keep good players in small markets and so on and so on. But that's almost kind of reverted back to now of to drafting. So in the span of like three to four years, if you look at the like the legit, legit, most of the legit contender teams, the Suns are where they are because of drafting. And you did add Chris Paul. Okay, I'll give you that one. Well, don't just say yeah. Oh, by the way, well, you no, did but, add this no, but guy. I'm not saying you. Uh, oh yeah, Chris but, Paul. You know, okay, okay, but you 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 added you added one piece. Okay, not not two or three. You added well, one. They drafted Crowder too. They drafted him, huh? But you drafted um Booker, Cam Johnson, and Aiton, and a lot Memphis. of development guys. Pain. Yeah, Memphis, uh, a drafted team. Your Timberwolves, for the most part, a drafted team. Um, so it, uh, um, it just kind of goes showed how we, how the playoffs are now, again, a lot of teams we mentioned, obviously Katie and Kyrie, different scenario, but for a sport who a couple of years ago was in fear of world, you know, uh, the, the big three team together, make big threes. Now we're kind of back to, you know, there's something to be said for putting team together. And I just thought that was an interesting point about how that dynamic has switched again. Obviously again, Katie and Kyrie might. Maybe they could. Talking about the fans were in fear because the NBA certainly wasn't. (laughs) Because that those draw ratings if you go back to look at those big threes against big threes. Well, in in a way, in a way, I think the 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 league had an interesting perspective on it. Chris was because from a from an owner standpoint, you didn't want to all have a bunch of super teams. And now, yeah. Who, who has drafted everyone, and then they did bring in Katie. Uh, that little guy. That time. They, they drafted you know. that little guy. Yeah, that, well, okay, but right. but for the most part, you know, but it, it's just interesting to see how the sport is now going back to more growing the players together, which is, I think, awesome for the sport, too. But I just thought that was an interesting perspective um, of just how things are kind of changing back towards, hey, build from within. Yeah, I mean, part of that is the – the best team on paper when healthy um, hasn't hasn't been healthy, too. Because, like, Toronto, they didn't really build from within. They built a good team that couldn't get over the hump, and then they made a trade for a killer player. Um, we just mentioned how, for the most part, um, like you said, I mean, they Iguodala was a big piece. That Lee trade didn't work out, right? But they got they did release that money, and so it you know they were able to maneuver with it. Um, like if you look at Miami, you know they brought in Butler, um, and, and they made it to the finals. Obviously, the Lakers two years ago. Last year was kind of a mixed bag because Milwaukee drafted, like you said, to your point. Milwaukee is a a team where uh, the two core guys 
were drafted, right? And then mm-hmm. they brought in the rest, you know, uh, even late season they brought in some guys. So some of it's been injury with those bigger-name teams, um, and some of it has been, you know, a kind of a combination of all that. I mean, as far as the big three, I guess the last big three that – well, the one that got the most popularity or, or talked about – um they were very similar to the Celtics as far as how they acquired them. Uh, well, they were both trades, I should say, with KG and Ray Allen. Um, just different parts of their career. But Pierce was already there just like Wade, and then they found a way to bring those guys in. Um, so, yeah, that that is kind of an interesting, uh, you know, it's like a mixed bag of your best players. I guess you could say what, besides Chris Paul, some of those those guys we mentioned – well, Durant, too, obviously, but a lot of the ones lately have been that where I guess Toronto goes against that, too. But a lot of that core was, you know, developed mm-hmm. or sometimes you bring it in and then it gets better there, too. You know what I mean? You got a development. It goes both ways because sometimes you could acquire a player and they're pretty good. But by season end or the next year, they really grow. So, yeah, it makes for an interesting um, you know, variety of stuff there. Um, so right off the bat, let's get in to on paper one of the – well, I, I think it's the most interesting series, if I'm being non-biased, of course, because my Timberwolves for the second time only have been, are in the, uh, in, in the playoffs since 2004. So since we've been doing this show, we haven't been doing it since 2004. We didn't even know each other back then. But I'm obviously biased towards that. But Boston in Brooklyn um, looked like Boston was going to um, maybe not completely run away with it, but it felt like they were going to win. Brooklyn comes all the way back. And you also had not just a tight game where Brooklyn got up late, but a, a photo finish, as they say in horse racing, a, a great way to start out that series. Boston had to get that game winner to get the dub. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to repeat the storylines that everyone's been talking about, but it's basically how many points can Katie and Kyrie score and who, who will be their third party member to help. And Boston for the most part this year has been a great defensive team. And how are they going to, you know, be able to uh, match the scoring power and offense? So yeah, it, it was a very fun game one. Um, it, it was a little more of a high-scoring game. Uh, I think the unders in basketball for the opening round were like 13-1, and one, so if you're betting unders, you're probably doing really rich so far. Um, and, yeah, I, I so it was tied 62-62 at half, I believe. And then in the third quarter, the Celtics got pretty hot near the end of it and got up 13, and you're like, okay, well, maybe they found the rhythm. Um, I know uh, Jalen Brown had like two blocks on KD in the span of a few minutes, which was like, okay, you normally don't see KD's ever get a shot blocked. And they had a momentum. And then KD sat down for just a quick breather. Uh, Kyrie hit a couple of threes, flipped off a couple people, used some choice words that we won't repeat on the podcast. And all of a sudden you're back to a really close game. So I honestly, Chris, I I think that this series is going to be, as long as everyone stays healthy, probably a pretty fair representation of what game one was of Katie and Kyrie will make their runs. When those guys go to the bench, Celtics will probably counter with their runs. And 
it's going to put just, I think, a lot of pressure on Nash. And I'm not saying that KD and Kyrie aren't in incredible shape because they are. But how does um, Steve Nash work the subbing? Obviously, you want to try to keep those guys at least have one on the court at all times. And do they wear it down a bit? And if you're Boston, um, will your team de- – what is the best defensive game plan you can come up with to try to slow down Durant and Kyrie? Yeah, to your point, the third quarter, Celtics 35-24, and then in the fourth, 29-19 from Brooklyn. Um Durant had a bad game, especially early in the game. Overall, he was 9-24, 1 of 5 from 3, had 6 turnovers. Anytime you can have him shooting 24 times to get 23 points, that's that's huge. Obviously, Kyrie definitely went off. Um, and, you know, they got some decent – well, they got good production off the bench. Overall, they shot the bell really well. Um, I'd say, you know, rebounding definitely was uh, – a big advantage there um, for uh, Boston. But, you know, I suppose when you shoot the ball 54%, you're not going to have as many uh, rebounds per se. Um, you know, the, the usual suspects, Smart, Tatum, Brown, they all, you know, did their thing, no doubt about it. They were very efficient in the starting lineup. Um, Orford, though, 20 points, 15 boards, plus eight. Um, 41 minutes though. We talked about this off air. Little funky when it comes to, I don't know if I'd be playing a 41 minutes. The guy's a stud, no doubt, but this thing didn't go into overtime, you know? So it's kind of like, wow, 41 minutes. I know he's playing great. You needed him all that time, but, uh, that just seems like a lot of minutes in game one for a guy his age, especially when you're talking big. You know what I mean? Um, what's your feeling though, how this is going to, turn out is this a you know is this a seven game series or or do you think you know maybe maybe Boston just the the way they played basically since the turn of the calendar this year in 2022 I mean they besides the Suns and I guess you could say the Memphis they've been the hottest team in the league uh damn near bar none besides the Suns maybe I do think that there's too much hype on this Boston team. I say that because for the past, I would say seven or eight years, I I think that the media has built this team, Boston up to be potentially to win the East in the past six, seven years, probably eight. And they've never even come close. So just prove it to me. Like, let's see this Boston team do something. I I think a lot of people are, Oh, this, this is the, the statistically the best defense we've seen in, in forever. Okay, well then, win a series. Like I, I'm not saying that Boston, like that they're. I think they were at one point eighteen and twenty one, and how they finished the year was one of the best finishing the year winning percentages in NBA history. Okay, so you had a great second half of the year, but still, I I want to see them do something in in the playoffs until I fully give them credit. So I'm going to say that this thing goes seven, and I think they win in seven because I think KD and Kyrie will find a way to push this Nets team along and I can easily see it Chris being one of those the home team doesn't lose um so I think it goes seven and I I think Boston finds a way but I I just think that the media in my opinion is overhyped the Celtics seem a bit too much and when it comes down to it star on star then the Celtics got one 
real star, and the Nets got two. So if we're going shot for shot, again, I, I'm, I'm picking the Celtics just barely, but I, I think this is a very close game. I think it goes seven. I think Boston barely edges it out because I think KD and Ky- Kyrie get a little bit tired because they're going to have to play 40-plus minutes a game. So I'll take Celtics in seven, but I just think the hype is too much for this team until they actually prove it and do something actually in the playoffs for once to even come close to winning the Eastern Conference Finals. And Kyrie didn't play in that Milwaukee series last year, right? It was just, uh, yeah, it was just hard and rolled. Uh, KD, did, he, uh, did he play? Did he make it to the second round? Yeah, he didn't. He he rolled his ankle in the. He, didn't he Early? roll his ankle in game one? Yeah, he, he rolled his ankle, I believe, in game one. Pretty sure game one or two, he he rolled it quick. Yeah. And then Harden was gimpy because he had that hamstring. He wasn't really yeah, hard, yeah. He's kind of a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. So I think that plays a role in the Durant wearing down even more uh, sure. because then it was kind of just his ass. And he, I mean, he tried. You know what I mean? He was he was like a, a big toe away from uh, winning that series. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I think Boston will win in Game Seven. Um, I don't think they're overhyped based off this year and the way the team's built and the way they've been playing. But I know what you're saying the last few years as far as being overhyped. But what they did in this, you know, this year, I don't think that's being overhyped personally. But I do agree the last chunk of years. Plus, you know, Boston, you know, L.A. and Boston obviously are the most storied programs and it's not even close. Of championships, so anytime that happens, uh, you know a team has a good year. They're gonna, you know, they are gonna hype them. So I agree with you. I don't necessarily agree this year, but I agree with your overall uh, sentiment on that. Let's combo. One, go ahead. Well, let me ask you just one quick thirty-second hot topic question. Right, here do you we think? Go. Do you think that Kyrie dropping? No, do you think Kyrie dropping the middle finger? is like a big deal and Silver should hammer him with a fine or it's just Kyrie being Kyrie not a big deal? Because I've heard different perspectives on, man, that's embarrassing for the game, that that's really a it sets a bad precedent, or Boston fans are talking a whole lot of trash, it's no big deal. Do you fall either way on that topic? I think it'll get fined as long as it's on camera, which it is. So Sure. I think it'll get fined, but I don't think it's a disgrace to the league, yeah. you know. Because if we put mics in the fan base, that would be a disgrace to the league. Oh, I, yeah, I would like to hear what, <laughs> what was being Especially said. Agreed. Um, but, sure. you know, I mean, I don't think it really plays into it much. I mean, obviously they're going to be – they'll probably have, like, middle finger T-shirts and signs, you know, <laughs> the next game. <laughs> but I don't think it really plays uh, anything more than that. I think it'll get fined, though. Usually I'm right with do, you. Right? I mean, Agreed. Matt Bev just got fined for cussing too much in a – in a post game presser, so thirty thousand, yeah. You know, so yeah, I think it would get fine. Let's combo okay. Miami and Hotlanta with um, the Bucks in Chicago. Um, blowout okay. central, basically from the jump for Miami in this game, one fifteen to ninety one. Miami's been close to the number one team in the East or right there anyway. You know, they've held that spot for a while. Chicago held it for a while. Milwaukee, you know, it was kind of like they've always kind of just been there. And it's interesting because you could tell that team is glued together a lot of it, even though they got unglued one night, uh, you know, on the sidelines. 
but uh, they meaning they played a lot of basketball together because if you look at this year, you know they they didn't play too many games uh, considering they're the number one seed uh, in the East. Like as a unit together, if you look at their top eight or ten guys or eight, you know, seven guys, there were so many little missing parts. And yeah, maybe you know they have they do have depth. And they their roles are very strict, or not strict, but they they're they're defined. And so when you have that for a couple of years, then when someone goes down, you know exactly. Okay, I got to do this more. That person's got to, you know, you know exactly what to do. So that you know goes through. But it's still impressive uh, that Miami was able to get the number one uh, spot, considering they didn't have. Um, I can't remember the number, and, and sometimes it was just rest. But I think they played it pretty freaking smart there sometimes, uh, and still got the number one seed. What are the you know the chances of Atlanta actually pushing them beyond five games? And then obviously we did get a very tight game with the Bucks in Chicago there. In Chicago, you know they were riding high as the number one seed there for a while. Had some injuries, they fell down, got more healthy down the stretch of the season. But they just couldn't quite find their groove. But all things considered, this might as well be like like late nineties, early two thousand score here, ninety three to eighty six. Because usually uh, the Bucks put up like one hundred and fifteen points. Well, if you go just off media perception, no one in hell would think that Miami is the one seed because everyone talks about Nets. So true. Celtics, Bucks. Philly, like those are the four most talked about teams in the East. So if if you literally ask the regular Joe basketball fan, who's who's the one seed? And Miami's probably the fifth choice. So this is the quietest team that's getting no recognition, yet has Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, who three alone are pretty effing good players. Like it, it just they're literally sleeping like under the rug on everyone. And they did get Which embarrassed. Which is perfect for them, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they did get embarrassed last year by Miami after they embarrassed Miami the year prior. And, you know, they had their little blow-up with uh, Spolstra and Butler. You know, but teams fighting that, hell, they're, they're one of the best-ran family team organizations in, in, in sports. So, you know, teams are going to have their words. But you have one of the best coaches in basketball, one of the most overall solid teams, one of the better team defenses in the game. Like, I know that no one's talking about them, but they're not going to be an easy out. Sure, maybe they could lose to Milwaukee or Boston or whoever, but it ain't going to be easy. So I think they do take care of business. I think Atlanta is not quite the hot team they were last year. I think that they've progressed in some ways. I, I don't follow them as closely, but they're and not. Collins the isn't playing right now either, and he was yeah. huge down you know, for them last year. Yes. He was, yeah, massively big for them last year. So I do think that maybe they sneak one in. So I think it goes um, Miami for four or five. Um, But also you got to look at that way is, you know, they're looking at playing potentially um, the Nets. Get your rest. Like, you know, they're the one seed. So if the Nets were to win, they could be playing KD and Kyrie. Like, you know, get your rest up because that could go seven. So get your win in. Take care of business. I think they will. And the the stat I have to give you for the Bucks, Chris, is that since 2017, when Giannis plays on the court against the Bulls, the Bucks are 18 and 0 against them. 
The Bulls have not beat the Bucks. That's crazy. Giannis on the court in 18 games. So, wow. did they did they play good game one? Yes, where the Bucks made a sleepwalking, maybe. The offense in the start of the fourth quarter was hideous. The score was like six to three, six Both minutes in the fourth quarter. Horrible from the field too. Yeah. Dude. But the just you you've not beat Giannis eighteen times in a row. I don't think you're gonna do it this series. Either. Maybe you sneak in the typical game three NBA home home court pull out a win deal. Yeah, but yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I, maybe, but I would still or if I had to bet, strut, I would like, bet find a way to win game four down three yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, which I I could that. happen, but yeah. I would still I would look at lean still leaning towards Bucks and four. So Bucks and four, Heat and four or five. Um, uh, these are two veteran teams. But again, Miami man, no one knows you're a one seed, and they they don't mind it that way. And again, maybe they're not as good as the Celtics or Nets or Philly this year. But hell, that's a, a really savvy veteran team. So I wouldn't sleep on them. But that's just kind of how the media is working so far for this series. Yeah. Like I said, they've played a lot of basketball together uh, since, you know, the last three years now. Um, and obviously Trey Young's going to need to uh, have a better game if they sure. want to win games or a game, I should say. So, yeah, I could see uh, I could see Atlanta going off. I mean, without Collins, they're not the same team. But I could see maybe Trey just going off and winning the game. And um, So, yeah, I – Man, I, it's tough to pick up both sweeps, you know. So I'll go Milwaukee. Eh, fuck, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's five or four. It's right in that realm, though. I'd be surprised if either of those go to six. And I and I think someone's going to sweep in there. All right, so Philly in Toronto. Um, obviously, and let's combo this up with the Suns in New Orleans just because. Um, but Philly and Toronto was a very interesting matchup on paper, the way Toronto matches up with teams and what they can do. And still the Sixers, you know, although unlike, uh, you know, Ben Simmons has yet to play for the Nets. So, you know, he's, they don't, they still don't have their part, but they have less players off of that trade. Right. Whereas at least they've had Harden for a while so they can kind of get through some of that glue together like how are we gonna figure this stuff out now obviously um you know game one was all sixers 131 to, to 111 uh they just jumped on them and, and beat them up pretty good maxi went off for 38 points uh just a good all-purpose like i think right away a went off and then he he pretty much said all right you guys take it from there all-purpose game um from Harden as well. Um, but on paper, we talked about how this was a very intriguing matchup, and, and you said this is probably one that stands out for you before some of this injury stuff that, that took place. And then obviously Phoenix, I think that there there maybe is the, the, the one game in there, like you said, that where New Orleans just goes off and they end up winning one of those home games. But I don't see – you know, I could see a sweep or for sure game five. Um, but on paper, to your point, before we start recording, I did see maybe a six-game series here with the Sixers in Toronto. But it's tough to say, you know, to say that now with two or three, you know, pieces out for Toronto, or at least not going to be 100%. 
Yeah, I was really close to, to betting the series to go six or seven or for Toronto to win it or for Toronto to win it by a game and a half or, or, or not lose it by more than one game in the series. Um, thankfully, I didn't pull the trigger. Um, and these injuries are killers because I really think that going to the series, I didn't think Toronto would lose at home because uh, Toronto normally plays exceptionally well at home. Every analyst or pick I heard said they had the coaching advantage. I mean, people love Nignors across the whole basketball community, it seems, of writers, analysts, beat people, whoever, whatever. Um, and, and obviously, Doc has had his fair share of mishaps in the playoffs. I think that's pretty well documented. But um, the way they played in game one, and now you have the injury bug, um, that's tough. Uh, obviously, Thibel, who is like one of their stud defenders, you've heard that story. He chooses not to get his vaccine, so he can't travel. Um, maybe the, the not traveling is not a little bit of a, a less of an issue now that again players are hurt, especially um, the, uh, the the stud um, the stud rook. Uh, God, what's his name? Um, Jesus, I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, I, I I was I was saying before the series started, Chris, I really thought that Barnes. Barnes, yeah, Barnes, thank you, sir, that with him out, that's a, a killer, too, because, hell, he, he might be a rookie of the year. So um, with all these injuries, and now all of a sudden you're going down 2-0 more than likely tonight probably, and you're who knows who's going to be back for 3-4. and four. So I, I'm happy I didn't pull the trigger on that one. Um, could Toronto still win at home? Absolutely. Um, again, these injuries are going to have to help him out a little bit. But, hey, if you're Philly, trap this up. That's that's got to be a, a good start to the series. Um, Harden, you know, kind of finished the year a little slumber like he normally does. So obviously, if you're a Philly fan, you're thinking, "Oh God, here we go again." Like you know, how I heard the uh, on my Vegas podcast station, a Philadelphia beer editor came on, picked the Raptors to win the series, and yeah. that was kind of the trendy pick. So I was like, "Okay, well, you know, hell, if a Philly beer writer's taking the Raptors, like I got to feel pretty good about my Raptors pick." But then yeah, they get ran well out the, too. Yeah, but then you get ran out the gym game one. That's tough, and they got injuries too. Um, I would expect Philly to win tonight, and then you're gonna have to try to gut one out. But I honestly feel less confident now. But um, I don't think it's a sweep. I still sure. think that Toronto wins at least a game three or four at home, what no shorthanded or not. Um, but I'm less confident in Philly winning, so I will take. Well, I can't go. I don't want to go against my word. Mm. Uh, all right, I'm still gonna. I'm sticking to my word that Toronto won't lose at home. So I'm gonna stick with Philly in seven. Um, Ooh, hopefully those. Okay. I'll stick. I'll stick. I'm gonna stick with my gut. Philadelphia wins in seven. Hopefully those injured guys come back and are good to go. If not, then obviously that pick could be off. But I'll, I'll stay with my gut. Philly in seven. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm not gonna stay with my gut. Um, <laughs> although I gotta still keep reducing it, uh, my actual gut. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Philly, uh, I'm gonna go Philly in five, um, on that one. Um, and then Suns, you know, Pelicans is basically like, can they win one game? I mean, that's basically what it breaks down to, right? Can they do that? Do you think they will? Cause they do have, like, they got bigs, they got a lot of size, and actually, speaking of my Minnesota Timberwolves a little bit, they don't match up that well with them. So if we if they would have lost the Clippers, that would have been a tough-ass uh, game 
I guess that would be game 84. These aren't postseason games, Marshall, but there's 83 and 84 games, but they're not postseason. They're not playoffs. They're not playoffs. They don't count, I guess, even though it counts to get you in the game. But anyway, what do you think? You think New Orleans could just be a juggernaut one night and beat them, or do you think it's a sweep? I'm going to quote I mean, the fan. Unless went, you want to pick them you know, to seven or something like that. Maybe I should just assume. I'm going to quote that fan that went viral last year and say, sons and four. <laughs> you going to start beating somebody up in the stands? Uh, no, I was, I was quoting him. I was not reenacting any uh, any uh, punches, although it was a pretty good punch. Uh, yeah, son, sons and four, sir, sons and four. We'll save our two squads to close the pod. Dallas grinded their way out to get to that four spot. And then they get to the four spot. They're going against Utah. And their main man, Luca, who did, – did, did he did he need to be in that game? Did they need to win that game to hold down the four spot? What, so the, what happened? The, the, I just, they, I just they forgot played, about that. Yeah, they were playing him for a seating purpose. Okay. So they but, needed to win. But, well, or, or, or I think that was relying on some other teams' outcomes as well. But he was in the game, and they were up twenty in the second half. Hold so on. Like, you know, so man. they were trying to get three. They were trying to get to the third seed because they had the the, the fourth seed wrapped up by three games. Yeah, yeah. So they were trying yep. to get to the third. Yeah. Okay. Damn, dude. But Ugh. I think with with who they're hoping to lose, and the fact you're up. You're up 20 points in the second half. It's like, man, that's a, a, a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And that's one of those that, who knows? I mean, it could be that he gets back for game four. You know, you just never know with that kind of injury. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's such a, it's not super vague, but it's on average, it's like two weeks. You know what I mean? It's, some guys come back after a few games or four days. Some guys, it takes like three weeks, you know? Yeah, they they said the average NBA player with a caster in the zero was out for seventeen days, and and I mean That's this happened seventeen with, games so, now. I mean, it, it would be, be the whole I mean, series. If it's seventeen days, you're looking at he's maybe back like you know game six or seven. Or I don't even know if you'd be back. Like it, you know. Yeah, you would. And that's tough. Yeah, because if you did watch Chris that first game. Like that—that that was a close game for the whole game, and the, and the 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 Jazz were trailing for a lot of that game. So I mean, if, uh-huh. if you simply add Luca, you really have to imagine they would have had a great chance of winning that game. And I say that because especially first round Luca in Dallas, like second mm-hmm. round Luca goes off, but Dallas doesn't win late, you know, so far. But first yeah. round Dallas. Along with Luca, usually is just very dominant, you know, the last couple mm-hmm. of years. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, that's a, that's a tough one. So, um, if, if he can come back, I think the series like flips on his head. I mean, they, they, I don't know, just, I'll, I'll say this. The way Dallas played defense was tremendous in that game. I'm not saying that the Jazz were the Golden State Warriors or Chicago Bulls in the 90s. But you can see how Kid really did transform to become a defensive team. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Every and some of the I mean, parts every, that they swapped too oh. are really smart. You know, on paper it's like, oh man, that seems like a bad trade. And then you're like, or not bad, but not great. But when you see it, you know, in person, 
it's like, oh, yeah, no, that makes them even better defensive team. Yeah, I mean, they, every pick and roll, like, they they were not poorly placed. Like, Donovan Mitchell went on a little bit of a run there, but that team defensively just puts on a show. And, again, you have a lot of, like, just role-player, blue-collar guys. So massive credit to Jason Kidd, who realized, hey, you know, I, I pretty much have Luka and not a whole bunch of scoring super talented guys around him. Why not make ourselves a defense team? And he did that in the span of a year. So if Luka yeah. comes back, I think they have a legit chance of winning the series whenever it is, even if it would be a four-game sweep. Hell, the Jazz have had their hiccups. Um, obviously, that'd be tough, you know, four games, especially if he comes back for game four in Utah, hypothetically. Um, but, hey, f- find a way. I don't know. May- maybe you sneak one out here at home in game two. I, I don't think the Jazz are going to run him out the gym. Um, just because when you watch the Jazz play, they're offensively, it's like they're not meshing. They're, they finished the year like 24 and 27. Um, there's rumors of, uh, I almost said Embiid, um, Gobert and Mitchell having feuds. Um, Quinn Snyder might be heading out the door to go to LA. Like this team is not clicking on all cylinders. They, they've been having beef, but they're, they got lucky to get this series without Luka for now. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I'm going to stick with Utah. If Luka comes, comes back, um, I think Dallas. It has to be win. earlier it's, than later, though, because they, they might yeah, be down again, three zip. You know, I mean, if you get down three zero, would it be impossible? No. Uh, what? How many teams have done it, Chris, in basketball? Three, two or three have come yeah, down it's from three zero. Yeah, impossible as it can be. Because, uh, um, but a lot, and, you know, and, the Utah when they started to kind of build this team up nicely, like you're saying, a lot of through the draft, and they made some trades last year. They came into the playoffs kind of funky with Conley not healthy and it's, it, you know, you gotta be in the right flow when you come into the playoffs. That's just how we've seen it time and time again, these last chunk of years, that's for sure. Or you're in the, in it like Golden State with, you know, would have won that series for sure. All of a sudden, boom, two major injuries. I mean, um, yeah, I like Utah to win that even if he came back game four or something like that, just because you now, you know, you have, you have to, they have three home games too. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I just don't see him um, winning that. But you're right to go bear. It's it's weird because sometimes he's so dominant. I mean, he's dominant as a player at his position, but other times he gets played off the court in the playoffs. Um, they don't go to him much. Not that, you know, he's an offensive guy per se, but, you know, that stat of your best player going to him, what is it, like once or twice a game that he passes to him? Like, I mean, obviously that's funky. And uh, you yeah. think that you could do more pick and rolls with those guys and he can roll and actually get the roll. But, um, yeah, man, it's, you know, the last few years it looked like, oh, man, they're really starting to get something going there. They're Speaking of offense, they're one of the best offensive teams. And, and yeah, it does seem like they're kind of – we're starting to see that ceiling uh, quicker than you know we may have thought. Um, so yeah, I like I like Utah. And I mean, if, if Luca doesn't come back, I like Utah for sure in game by game six because they'd have you know the home court. But I don't know. I mean, can Dallas go six games without Luca? I don't think so. I think that they could maybe get one game, and it would have to be this next game, obviously, because. If they, I guess they could, you know, hold on, win one on the road, and then lose at home. I don't know, but yeah, I don't see Utah 
uh, giving that up, I think that they'll uh, they'll get the job done. Let's go to your squad. Well, just, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Just to show you from a gambling perspective, like I heard a Vegas guy say that if Luca had been healthy, it, it, the series would have been basically like a pick 'em for who who would who would be favored to win the series. And, and some sure. people believe Dallas could have been a slight favorite. And when that series started, um, the Jazz were minus three twenty. So if you bet $100 on the Jazz, you went $32 profit. So, I mean, the, the Jazz just got hammered. And, again, if Luka's healthy, it's Mavs' favorite or a, a very close line. So that just goes to show you how important in the mind of Vegas and gamblers Luka is. And I think that that number, proportionally, is really fair equivalent to his mean, meaningless, meaningfulness to the team, Chris. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, that's been kind of what's holding them back is they got Luka and then some pretty good parts, you know, and, and we'll mm-hmm. see where that goes, especially in a seven-game series. Golden State in Denver, um, you know, this is Golden State, you know, they're, they're, they obviously, uh, this is their series to win. Uh, could, you know, we've heard mixed messaging with Murray, so, you know, the last month or so. Oh, he's looking good. He's practicing. He's He's doing drills. He's playing three-on-three here. You know what I mean? We've heard stuff. Um, So there's always that. But it's one thing to come back the way, well, for instance, Steph has had to come back where he had an injury that kept him out for a while. They actually brought him off the bench, now that I remember correctly. But it's another thing to be out the whole damn season, (laughs) you know, from last year and then be like, all right, I'm going to go. Let's go. Let's hit the ground running in the playoffs on this you know, just to get your legs alone, you need a little ramp up. You need, you know, you just need it. You, you definitely need that. So, um, but, you know, Denver, you know, the way, speaking of grinding it out, the way they've hung in in the middle of the pack in the West has been very, very impressive. Obviously, Jokic is one of the better, one of the best players in the league. You got to, uh, you know, give him plenty of MVP, MVP votes, especially these last two years. And uh, they got a system. They run it really well. They're just a, a, still a really good team, even without their two out of their top three scorers, I guess you could say. Um, you know, obviously Murray's their, probably their second best player, and that's what's been holding them back. And it's going to be interesting to see next year, you know, where this team goes and, and if they can stay healthy, where they'll end up, for sure, the top four, I'd say. Um, but what do you think here? I mean, even if they were to get Murray back, that may make it funky. I don't know. I don't really see um, a path to victory uh, beyond maybe one game. Uh, but I, I don't even know about that. I'm with you. Um, I, I think that Clay finished the year. He was averaging like 30 points a game his last like four or five games. So he's finding his rhythm. Obviously, he's a Golden State fan. I love seeing him back again because it's been a couple of years since he was back in the playoffs. It's always fun to watch him play. Um, Steph It'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to get back to the defensive player he was too, though. Yeah, that's one of the large reasons that the team won the rings they did. Um, Obviously, uh, Steph was rusty game one. He had a, a rare moment. Where he didn't score in the first half, or he didn't he, like he was started off over five and came off the bench. So he wasn't quite his regular self. But he even got going there in the second half. And Poole is kind of like that little addition guy that people didn't expect to have this year. He's going to be like a top three 
um, uh, most improved player of the year candidate. So um, I think that Golden State's got too much um, for Denver. I know Denver, I think they swept the season series, but Draymond didn't play in a single game of those. And, I mean, Jokic has, again, had, has had a hell of a year. But yeah. Jokic, you know, Draymond's going to play his defense. And they got some other bigs, and they got Clay and Steph and Poole. Like, how's Denver going to match that? Now, again, if this was Clay, Steph, and Poole, and Draymond against Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Murray, Okay, we got we got a fun ass series to talk about. But I'm with you, Chris. I don't think Golden State loses at home. I think they probably wrap this one up in five. I just think the Jokic has a little too much on his plate to try to pull off a victory here. So yeah, I'm taking uh, Golden State in five. At Denver, I mean, Jokic could pull off a, a, a studded game like he's had all year and win one at home. But I don't see Golden State losing. So yeah, I just and th- man, this is a tough run for Denver because there's been about three or four years now where a lot of people have thought that this team could make the finals and they've, they ha- they've come close a couple of times and they've just had the injury bug has really hurt them quite a bit. And you finally started to see Michael Porter jr. Grow up into becoming a player and Murray just can't seem to get healthy at the right time. So I wouldn't blow this up, but man, you got to hope that one of these years they could have a full squad and just, you know, see what they can do. Well, 2020 was their best year, correct? Like the the bubble? Didn't yeah, just go yeah. Off for like 50 every other game or whatever. Yeah, I mean they've had they've had some good runs. I guess you know you just if Murray and Porter and uh, Jokic could all stay on the court together, you know it, it would probably be a pretty good squad. But again, they're not not this ain't their year again. So yeah, the last two years because mm-hmm. they were healthy 2020, weren't they? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 and that's when the, them and the Jazz went seven, and then... uh That's just when they started to move up as a franchise. Yeah. Like, okay, this team's for real. And that, and that was... Either, out. And Porter wasn't playing defense to save his ass that year either. So, you know, but... This year he was really D'ing up. He was, um, I, 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 it, it can't be worse, I'll say that. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that is fair. He, he's a Mizzou man. I can't rip him too hard, okay? Yeah, I mean... You know that 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 he should get an icy hot sponsor. Okay, that was that was a low blow. That was, a low blow. <laughs> um, but he is dynamic. Uh, we'll see if that contract comes back to burn him. But he is a dynamic player. There's no doubt about it offensively. Um, and Murray's just that playoff run he had in the bubble was just silly, dude. That was just. Mm-hmm. Didn't he have two separate fifty point games in the series? I'm pretty sure. Oh, anyway. that, oh, yeah, that 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 was an inc- yes. He yeah. was going off, dude. I, it was that that was a lot of fun. Him and Mitchell were taking turns, just yeah. in, impressing the stat people. And last, but certainly not least, we saved the best for last. The Memphis Grizz goes down game, game one to the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, one thirty to one seventeen. The Wolves uh, got off to a really good start. Second corner, they were turning the ball over like crazy. Obviously, Memphis has something to do with that. Both teams can force a lot of turnovers. I think it's like the Timberwolves led the league in turnover or, or uh, forced turnovers, and I think Memphis is like third. So they're you know they do a lot of the similar things. Funny enough, not like threes they don't. Offensive rebound clearly is uh, Memphis, and threes are clearly uh, Timberwolves, but. Um, that second quarter, they tied it up, 
It was very competitive in the second half. And then the Timberwolves just got enough advantage. I think it was McDaniels who hit that corner three to push it to 10 with like two minutes left or something. It felt pretty good at that time. Uh, hell of a way, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of media members and, and people on social media were given, uh, <laughs> the, the Timberwolves, uh, you know, credit for winning the championship on Tuesday night, last Tuesday night. Uh, because of the way the celebration took place in the uh, in the arena, and, and Pat Bev, that personal stuff that he had, and and whatnot, and I understand that, but I, I really don't think people realize, um, you know, only the second time uh, since 2004 that they've been in the playoffs. So, um, but uh, did what I also heard that night was a whole lot of, oh yeah, that was fun. You're in the playoffs, sweep. Five games, sweet. You know, I heard that a lot, too. And uh, one thing about those Timberwolves, both these teams are real talkative on the court and after. They're going to let you know after, too. Um, but the Timberwolves, a lot of people that were dogging them, and, and don't get me wrong, they over-celebrated, but they didn't come over-celebrating into this game, is my point. Sports are fun. Like, honestly, like I'm the, who cares? Like, the people really blowing up about Kyrie flipping people off, at the end of the day, not a big deal. The Timberwolves, again, sport, uh, sports were meant to be fun. They had to sell, like, again, this is a city that, uh, Minneapolis is a great basketball town that's had very few moments to celebrate. Who, who gives a shit if they were happy? Like, I, I, out of all the issues we have in sports in this world nowadays, a team that's celebrating to be happy is not one I'm going to complain about. So good for them. I, Especially I pro athletes. You know, we always hear, oh, it's just about yeah. the money. And then when they celebrate a, a one-game scenario, which what that was, or actually mm-hmm. that's like a game six, technically, because it was a 7-8 sure. game. But then yeah, when yeah. they do celebrate, you know, I mean, Pat Bev crying wasn't because he thought he won the championship. It, it was a very personal thing. Yeah, good, good. honestly, good for them. I'm happy they won whenever they celebrated. Um, I am kind of – I'm going for Memphis. I won't lie. I've been listening to, like, their main – one of their TV guys, Chris Vernon, has been doing a podcast for, like, four years. So I I, I do got Memphis allegiance over my tim, your Timberwolves, Chris. But the, so you're, I mean, you're not just picking them, but you're going for them? Man. Yeah. Don't ever yeah. step foot in this state again, you bastard. <laughs> Gee, well, I was planning on going home to see you this summer. Okay, you can go to Lakeville. Lakeville Airport out. Okay. Well, Lakeville, Granite City, in Egan, and then out. You cannot step right, well, in, in, the, in Minneapolis. Uh, we might have to might have to reschedule our lunch uh, and having drinks. It is okay. Understood. I All gave right. you Granite City. I gave you Granite right, okay. City. But All right. Well, I mean, I, you I don't go I, to Minneapolis much anyway. So uh, you know, uh, I guess I won't be going to your house at all for uh, for boxing or UFC or anything. Uh, understood. Message heard. Um, <laughs> With, with with that verbal abuse said, um, okay, Anthony Edwards is special, dude. I I was literally talking. So I, I I'm I'm a teacher. I'm showing my kids the the highlight clips today because we had like our homeroom time. So like a couple boys there love watching basketball, and one of the kids is like, Coach, what do you see so special about Anthony Edwards? I'm like, Jai, he's 20 years old. He is two years older than some of you kids in this class I'm teaching. He's younger like, than he's, the first rounder last year. Cunningham he, by like eight he's days. He's twenty, but man, and, and so I have giant other kid Elijah. I'm like, dude, and we were talking about that as like the kids. He's built, like yeah, two thirty five. 
like, dude, he, he's built like a football player. Like, he's just big, strong, athletic, was hitting dagger shots. Like, the mid-range game was chill. That was one of the best mid-range games he had all year, the mid-range. And, and, and you, you hit on it a lot this year to me of, that, of, of talking about how he is in the media. The dude just gets it. Like they say, you know, why were you hyped up for the? He's like, man, he's like, I love Memphis. He's like, I, he's like, I have eight, eight and ten year old kids telling me you suck. Sit down. And he's like, dude, that's fun. He's like, I love the yeah. Memphis crowd. And then uh, speaking of more sports, like you saw, um, uh, John Morant and and, and uh, Cat's dad talking on the court, like, yeah, they were going back and forth, like, dude, that's just a fun series. Obviously, and I saw Beverly BS and the Jaws dad, you know, because those two had had some cussing words back yeah, in years. Yeah. Like, it's just it's just a fun basketball series, and like I said, it's hands down, it should be the most um, entertaining, high scoring series. Yeah, but to talk Alexis knows. I, I I love the Memphis team, but if you watch it, so many of their buckets are um, Ja or Dylan Brooks just running the court and getting layups just from transition, just quick maneuverness. And, like, Minnesota wants to run too, but you, when you watch Memphis play, there's so many times where it's like, dude, it's like, that's not a good shot. And I get that in the regular season, I get it, but regular season playoff basketball is different. And there was a lot of shots where Jaw or Dylan or Jaron trying to drive to the rack and they maybe get bumped and they don't make a layup. All of a sudden you gotta, you're giving up an easy pass the other way. As good as Memphis was this year, you got, you're not gonna necessarily just outrun and gun this team. Like if this was maybe like a different squad, sure, but many, Minnesota, they played the fastest pace in the NBA. So if you're gonna run, they'll run right with you. And again, yeah, they were number might, one in points a game. I think yeah. sixth in efficiency. So um, it's like I think Memphis has met a team that plays their game this year, but did a little bit better. And it just it, there's so many times where, and I know that Jaw especially Jaw pay for it too. He got to the line twenty times, and he, he yeah cut some, he cut through some of our defense. that was like, whoa, how do you just do that dribble? And he had that nasty dunk where he went through three di- different guys, um, but. He was on the ground a lot. And it's just like, can you do that over and over and over? I just, I don't know if you can. So, I mean, I, I think, I think this series goes six for seven. I, I, I mean, I forget. I don't know. I, I, I don't I, see the Timberwolves losing both home games. Let's put it that way. This next that, four. Yeah. So yeah. The, I think it's two, two. Let's say two, two coming into this. Uh, yeah. You know, after four, the next time we talk. I think yeah. it's two two. I'm I think it's a deep series. I mean, but just from from what I saw game one, I mean you gotta lean towards the um the lean towards Minnesota just because I I think that I was a little nervous with how poor Carl Anthony played in that game one of of, of the playing game. But Minis but Memphis didn't contain him. Like the Clippers did an excellent job of making him pick up his dribble and double team him. Yeah. Um, Memphis and maybe Memphis will do that, Chris, in game two and so on. But man, in game well, one, Adams can't be on the court. Well, that's the thing. Know. Yeah, like, and, and then I, if you I, put Jackson on him, that's going to put pressure on him because we could talk about cast fall problems, but Jackson has foul problems too. So yeah, they both do. You're right. Huh? So I, I think that he's a player you got to utilize, and obviously Russell and 
Anthony Edwards are special. I, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I mean, I'm still rooting for Memphis. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the Timberwolves. Rooting. I'm going to take the Timberwolves in seven. The guy lived here and he's rooting, not just picking, I'm rooting. <laughs> oh my God. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting that, but I'm taking your, I'm taking the Wolves in seven. Okay. It sucks too. Cause I got other friends in Lakeville. Now I don't even want to go there. Man. <laughs> so, um, Wolves in seven. I just think that they have more offensive tools than Memphis does. And if again, Memphis's run and gun can win you games, but your playing team loves to run and gun as much as you. And I think that it's it would be more difficult to see a Dylan Brooks or Jaron Jackson take over a game compared to a Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Russell or Edwards take it over. I, I just think the offense favors Minnesota by a bit. It, it, it just Memphis again. You're running gun fun, but man, Dylan Brooks ain't gonna drop thirty on you. And if he does, so be it for Minnesota. But I, I, I'm just favoring favoring your Wolves, even though I'm rooting for Memphis. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you rip me a little bit more, but uh, that's my prediction: Wolves in seven. I'll I'll meet you there. Um, I do want to see though, because this is back to back games that they haven't tried to even have a lingering guy for for Ant. And so all the attention is on one side of the court, and Ant is over there one-on-one, and he's got a three-point shooter in the corner to throw to. And that shit is like licking his chops, because you cannot do that to Ant. It's just not going to work all series. So I do want to – let's keep track of that uh, – adjustment they made they did go to zone in the fourth quarter a little bit and they also did put dylan is probably their best perimeter defense guy oh sure you know so it's they went d early they put him on d early just like they put uh paul george on d early to try to kill the facilitating you know not they know edwards is a better scorer but they want to stop you know they want to hurt the point guard more how long can they do that and just let Ant out there on an island? Because it, it gets real ugly, and he doesn't need – he's got plenty of confidence, let's put it that way. You yeah, can, uh, he, he drove, he drove past people that made it look too easy. Yeah, um, and then he'd stop, too, with the mid-range, you know, pull-back mid-range, like step-back mid-range, and he had like six assists or maybe eight assists. I don't remember how many assists. Six assists? He, he, was, he had his full game going. But you can so get us get, out of here. Well, I, just one last point to wrap it up. And and you'll know this better than me, but I will say one of the strengths of Memphis this year has been their bench. Like a lot of people say they might have one of the better benches in the NBA. Yeah. And it's but small, will, too. They went small with that bench. Yeah. And I will say I don't, I don't know the Wolves as clearly as well as you do, but I did see that that um, uh, Vanderbilt um, had a lot of nice plays for the Wolves in some key moments. And Nas Reed was coming off the bench, jacking threes and playing confidently. So who who are the players? Oh, no, Be- the- Beasley came and got twenty three off the bench, and Which McDaniel's is- got fifteen. Nas Reed had oh. three fouls in like four minutes. He oh. had a horrible. I, I just I saw him jack up some shots, but okay. But here, Be- Beasley had a game. So I, I think that another again another advantage where the Memphis has had a better bench most teams all year. That's pro. Now you might not have. Like I don't know, I don't know who has better bench stats. Prince but. has been nice too, but yeah, they got the advantage, but it's not as much as you think. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for them to really battle back here, though, and answer the bell in uh, game two. 
Yeah, I mean they they, they, they better. You know. you, you, oh yeah, yo shit, you go down two zero. That that'd be that'd be tough. So, um, I, I think that series has the chance to be the longest out of all. That would, if, if you had to bet, I would say that one and the Brooklyn and Boston yeah. that would, could be the two potential longest uh, series. And tight be. games too. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, mm-hmm. so. mm-hmm. I agree. So on that note, we will be back again next week. Um, I, I think we might have a couple of series that will be over or on the brink of being over. But again, I hope that the like the Minnesota, Memphis, the Brooklyn one. I, I hope those fives, hopefully. Yeah, and and Luca, if Luca comes back, that series it has a chance because that 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 Utah team is not playing like a, a team I think that could beat a Luca led Mavs. So we'll see. Uh, but the casting, the like we you know injuries, Chris. That's one of those ones where, dude, you come back too early, and, and you're either playing at eighty percent or you pull it again, and dude, then you're done for good. Like a cap, that, yeah. that's such a tough one to fight back from. You can't really cheat it and come back early. So we'll see how that plays out. I hope Luca does come back just for good content and, and for the sake of the Mavs. Like they had a great yeah. year, and a uh, kid, kid had a marvelous year coaching, but he, in, injury bugs happen. They do. Hey, they beat us out of the spot. So yeah, they they definitely uh, closed really strong too. So on that note, we'll be back next week. We'll be breaking down the series. Um, who knows? Maybe Kyrie drops a few more F-bombs and flips off a few more people. Who knows? That 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 series, man, that, that's going to provide a lot of drama. Hopefully who knows? Of... Maybe Pat Bev gets suspended. Time to take Jaw out of the series. You never know. <laughs> it, it, it could happen. <laughs> so on that note, we'll be back next Monday. Um, I'll be cheering for Memphis, even though I picked the Wolves and drive my co-host crazy. So the boys are out. Have a good one. Peace.